Monday, November 27th. We are back on the Sleepers Podcast post-Feast Week edition. Wow, a lot has changed. I've gained like 12 pounds in the last week. Shout out mom. Great Thanksgiving. Uh, I have a new obsession uh, with not cashing out bets as of like 25 minutes ago. That's a new hobby of mine is never cashing out a bet again. Carter has a new football coach, which I guess I also have a new football coach. I don't know. Fandom's weird right now. I got to evaluate how I feel. We're going to mix football and basketball this episode, but Card, it's good to see you, my friend. And you have a glass of cab, it appears. Yeah, this is kind of just like my farewell to Feast Week. A lot of food, a lot of non-movement, just a nice little good old-fashioned not move the body, consume as much college sports as I possibly can, and eat as much food as I possibly can. So this is kind of like the little last farewell um just to wrap up feast week and uh tomorrow i'm back at it men's league game playoff game first round uh it's probably not gonna be pretty but uh looking to lock back in and finish the year strong nice i can't wait for the highlights of that one maybe we could live stream it should we do a quick pour one out for the mel tucker era uh no i don't want to pour anything out for that sexual deviant he set our football program back many many of years uh gregory uh you know this but i'm letting everybody else know this i attended the game at ford field against penn state that is the absolute worst football game i have ever witnessed in my 30 years of life and that is through all levels of football it was really really bad i was not having a good time um actually spoke to a young spartan fan sitting in front of me with his dad it was his very first michigan state football game and i was like sport (laughs) It's going to get better, but good Lord, what a what an awful, awful way to be introduced to Michigan State Athletics. Like, don't do this to yourself. But, uh, yeah, uh, that that's tough. But it's, it's a new era. And Mel Tucker, thank you for nothing. I feel so bad for that child, that poor kid, you know? I felt, yeah, he was he he was OK, though. He was he was OK. I also feel bad for you. I mean. You poor child. Like I feel like you having to sit through that game was tough. I I sat from the very first whistle to the very last one. I saw the I took a moment and you know how JJ McCarthy stood at the stared at stared at the scoreboard. I pulled one of those as I turned the page on what was the sexual deviant head coach era. Yeah. I mean, what an era it was. Uh also not your first devastating blowout loss experienced in Ford field. I think that was the worst one though. You really Honestly. think so? I think that was the worst one. Yeah. Worse than Thanksgiving this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we gained yards in that game. I guess, but like, we, also what did you expect in this game versus what did you expect on Thanksgiving? I expected to gain some yards. Okay. I did. Is I expected that... to gain a couple. Well, maybe it would have happened if we would just play the right quarterback for the 19th time. I mean, we had to bench Peyton for Noah. Then we had to bench Noah for Caton. Why are we not benching Caton for Sam Levitt? Cards, Sam free my dog Levitt. When you have a higher ceiling guy, you have to play it, right? That's the whole thing. Well, get well, first of all, Jay Johnson and enjoy raising canes and EL if that's your next job. Um, or field of 12. I don't know what's open nowadays. But I don't think I've ever been as low or as hurt when we actually did gain a yard in this game. 
and this 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 mastermind who's earning millions and millions of dollars a year said to himself, "Yeah, you know what I got for him? <laughs> Double reverse pass to a guy who's touched the ball ten times this season, and he intentionally grounds it, and puts us out of field goal range. It's just like uh, you, you can't teach that type of uh, ineptitude. So yeah, I'm I'm not I'm very glad the season's over. Well, uh, he was." Um making millions and millions of dollars. Now he is no longer making millions and millions of dollars. So that's a win for you. A little shake up on the coaching staff side. We are going to get to that. We're going to talk football for half this episode. I feel obligated to uh, do some Michigan, Ohio state talk. We're going to talk Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, new Michigan state head coach. And then we are going to do feast week takeaways, basically like a stock up and a stock down segment for uh, everything we learned on the college basketball side of things from the last week should be a jam packed episode. Hope you've been enjoying our recaps and previews on the channel. By the way, we did just have our best views week in YouTube channel history. That's the second consecutive week that I'm saying that. Been saying a lot in the last couple of months, which is great. Appreciate everybody's support. But um, yeah, the I think this model really works. I think these previews and recaps are kind of extending us to new audiences. People of new fan bases are discovering us for the first time. People that don't realize we have like a heavy Big Ten lean are discovering us and getting really upset with us. I'm enjoying those comments, Cart. Like, we'll just get, like, a, an Arizona-Michigan State game recap that we do, like, 35 minutes on, and Arizona fans will come in and be like, who are these dinguses? They only spent three minutes on the team that won. And it's like, well, yeah, he's a Michigan State fan, guys. Like, that's that's part of it. You're watching our misery more than you're watching our praise. But uh, it's been good. Things are going well is the point. So go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, if you're still looking for ways to support us, Number one way to do so would be to join the Discord, where if you join as a paid member, you'll enter the drawing December 1st for tickets to a game of your choice. Yeah, and uh, and unfortunately, I don't think we put any cap on that game of choice. We kind of just uh, trusted people to uh, maybe show us a little bit of mercy, you know, keep it a little bit realistic. Um, just know if you're asking for like Final Four tickets, we're going to have a discussion. There's certain fan bases I would allow to ask us for Final Four tickets. There's others I would not. I'd be like, let's have a little sit down here, you know? Okay, not not going to elaborate on what programs fall into that category, I, but I I assume. Okay, all right. You want to start us off with your YouTube comment of the day? Uh, yes, I will. Um, I'm actually going to go with this one because I I I think this is something I need to be talked about. This came from Kalen Creedle. And this was on our Battle for Atlantis preview video uh, on the predictions for who will win. And she said, "Woo, these Villanova takes are aging like milk. I feel like we need to have a quick discussion. Do we feel any differently about Villanova after the Battle for Atlantis? A little different. Yeah. I feel I feel a little bit different, too. I think I was a little too harsh on Villanova. <laughs> but but at the same time, <laughs> the whole time, time. as long as. As long as that man in the turtleneck mans the sidelines, I will not buy fully in. I'm sorry. I won't. You saying I think I was a little too harsh on Villanova is like Mel Tucker saying, yeah, I think I made a little mistake here. Like, <laughs> let's just like it's OK to be like, yeah, I was way too hard because you you were basically out. You thought this team would be like a 500 team this year. It's clear that's not going to happen. Well, I mean, I didn't say 500. I said like fifth, fourth in the Big East, something like that. No, you did not. You thought this would be the same team as last year. 
Okay, might have to go back in and see. Let's let's not jump the gun now. Okay, okay. no need for Battle for Atlantis overreactions. Not yet. They look good. They look good. Uh, yes, they are the Battle for Atlantis winners. They stomped Memphis. I mean, they're up thirty points in that game. Uh, the overtime yeah. win against North Carolina is the iffy one. I I guess my my larger Villanova thing would just be I don't know how good any of the teams they just beat are. I don't if think you're in a dog fight with North Carolina. Are you actually that good? That's I don't think Texas Tech or North Carolina or Memphis are all that good. And I know uh, two of those teams just beat my team, but I don't think any of them are that good. So credit to them for winning. Maryland's certainly not good. And they like I, I want to see Villanova play a team that's actually good. And you know what's crazy, Cart? You look ahead on their schedule. The next big game they have is Kansas State, who also definitely might not be good. So we're not going to know. They're probably just going to keep racking up wins that are like quote unquote marquee wins until they play UCLA at home. Are we sure UCLA is even good though? Uh, I guess I said UCLA is good. Okay. If they beat UCLA, then we can say for sure the Villanova is good, but congratulations to Villanova battle for Lance champions. It was an impressive week for, for the cats. We're doing the right thing. If our, if our videos are reaching the, 39 Villanova fans. All right, sir. Thank you. I know. I, I like poking fun at Villanova fans. It is what it is. Chris Jenkins is one of my top 10 favorite players of all time. If that means anything. I feel like you have a lot of top 10 favorite players of all time. Chris Jenkins is a top 10 favorite player of all time for me. I feel like he might be a top 30 player for you, but you're just you no. put a lot of guys in your top 10. He's top 10. I mean, a lot of guys get eliminated because you got to have a certain BMI to be in my top 10. Like if you, if your body fat percentage is below 10%, you're not in my top 10. Understood. That makes sense. Uh, okay. Comments from the discord, <laughs> please. I missed this by the way. We had a weird Thanksgiving schedule where we were on and off. Uh, our schedule should be normal. You'll get a podcast episode every day, Monday through Friday, and you'll get uh, videos for recaps and previews in addition to that. What are you pointing at? What do we have here? A cookie? I, you forgot to bring up my bit. Well, it's nighttime. You haven't been doing the bits at night. Yeah. Well, this as a, also a farewell with my glass of cab, I have some uh, no-bake, gluten-free sugar cookies that my wife made, and they're really good. What type of no-bake? Like you don't bake them. What do you mean? Well, like there's sometimes there's different flavors of no bake cookies. This one is just sugar. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's like I've seen like a no bake peanut butter before. I've seen like yeah, 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 yeah. No, I wasn't sure. Just a sugar. Okay. Um. All right. Shout out Queen Meg. I'd love to try one of those if uh, Queen Meg would be so kind to bring some no bake cookies to our house this weekend. I'll bring you a bash this weekend, sir. I'd like that. That'd be very nice. Okay. To the Discord, if you want to join the Discord, you should join the Discord. There's a link to join in the description of every single video that we put out on the YouTube channel. Uh, go get in there. We need to get to 100 so that we can do our Power Hour episode, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. I think we're around 80 paid members right now, so only 20 more. Do you want to offer anything? Like We didn't do like a Black Friday, Cyber Monday thing, although I do have some new merch designs dropping soon. I had a meeting with someone this weekend, by the way. I haven't even told you this. We will have some merch dropping soon. With that said, do you want to do a quick Cyber Monday giveaway specifically from you for someone that joins the Discord? Specifically from me. Hmm. I you know what? Don't have much to give. My sports teams aren't that great right now. Um and I just also- seem like a lot a lot of people are like, oh, I'll sing a song and record it of your choice if you join the Discord. Like I want something like that from you. Oh, something like that? Okay. Uh 
See, I don't want to just take that. Um, I will actually. You know what? Why not? If we get to that number, we get to hundred by Christmas, and I will draw do a random drawing from someone in the Discord, and I will reenact any music video of their choosing. I mean, that's quite an offer. I was going to yell at you that you need twenty signups to get to something like that, but that's a pretty big ask, so I'm perfectly okay with that. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. What uh, if you had to pick a song to do for that right now? If you could choose, what song would you personally choose? Uh, probably like "Freestyle" by Rod Wave. Okay. Did you see uh your your new hopeful quarterback just posted a Rod Wave video by the way, like an hour ago? I I did see that. Yeah. Is that a good sign or a bad sign? Yeah, I like my quarterback sad and Rod Wave enthusiast. Okay, good to know. All right, you heard it from Cart. Link to join the Discord in the description of this video. A couple comments from our Discord members. Uh, reminder, we read the comments every single day from our Discord members. So this could be you, folks, sitting at home. Uh, Travis Nelson starts us off today. He says, let me be unequivocally clear in saying that if I'm not one of Sleeper's staff members in 10 years, I'll be punching air. Okay. Uh, you might be punching air. Because uh, I want to be a very uh, diverse and inclusive company, and we are adding way too many middle-aged white men to our roster as of right now. Okay, and I'm I'm getting outnumbered quickly, and I'm not I'm not here for it. Okay, so I will keep it in consideration, Travis. But uh, unfortunately, we definitely need to uh, fill a certain diversity quota, and uh, yeah, you're not counting towards that, my guy. I'm sorry. Middle age was disrespectful, for the record. Isn't Travis middle aged? That's stung. Like you, you're saying we've we've added too many mid. We first of all we have a high schooler on staff right now. You're calling high middle age. We're not supposed to reveal guys like age and stuff. Yeah, like we're that. not supposed to employ high schoolers. I know that's problematic. So, yeah. so like relax. <laughs> all right, um, Travis Nelson has another one here. He says, "My MSU thoughts. I'm just sick and tired of losing these big games early on. Oh, look, they kept it close. Yeah, that's great, but they can never close those games. Any team can battle these top teams for one game, but MSU never gets it done. We're supposed to beat these teams, and that hasn't been the case for the fourth straight season." I got no, st- I got no comment to say on any of that because he's pretty much spit facts in my eyes. We are doing a copy and paste thing of the last couple of years, and. It 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 feels it sucks to have that same copy and paste when you have the expectations that we had as a team. So, yeah, I'm not with it. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll refrain from comment. But I will I, I will say this. I know. Last thing I will say on this though. At the same time, Arizona is a really good team. Duke is a really good team. Should have beat James Madison. Yes. The other two. Or the next out of conference game that we got coming up against Baylor, in my eyes, is a must win, or we just completely failed the non con. And Baylor's a good team in my eyes, but we have to win that now because we didn't get any of the first two. Counterpoint, though, that doesn't change anything at this point. Like, I, I hear you, like, for morale purposes, you want it, but at this point, with how many losses you've already lost, like, losing an extra game to Baylor does not swing a thing for you. I want to win games. I do too, but that's not a must win. Like wanting it for morale for your fan base is just, you want it. You're a fan. Like at this point you've lost so much. It doesn't matter. You're going to make the tournament. It's what you do in March, but it's also for the team too, for the team purposes as well. Like they like getting a win against a good team 
I know will do wonders for that team, especially for our Lord and Savior, our point guard, Wapinator. Yeah, there's nothing he loves more than that. He'll be the first one reposting his stat line if we win the game. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, don't think it's a must win. Just think it's a want to win. I guess we'll see. Matt F. says, I love hypotheticals. Absolutely agree this team goes as AJ goes. What would this team look like if, like in football, your quarterback is stinking and so you bench him? AJ is benched. Obviously, unlike football, he will still get minutes coming off the bench, but you either slide in Cohen Carr or Jeremy Fears off the bench and tell Tyson, this is your team. We go as you go. Do you like that plan? I do, but that would set off a cataclysmic response from Watt. He would not, not respond positively to that whatsoever. You are correct. Um a big part of college basketball coaching is managing personalities and egos. And as I said on the uh, whatever recap it was that we did, I don't think you can abandon AJ, both for his on-court importance and also his locker room importance. Like he's just, I don't know. He's like the guy with the finger on the atomic bomb button. And you can't make that guy upset. Even if you don't like that guy, you can't go tell that guy you don't like that guy because his finger's on the atomic bomb button. Like, wait, we need to, we need that man to keep his finger off the button. So let's keep him happy. That's what WAP is. is WAP and he, is, he is the button. Atomic WAP. <laughs> I do think you can work it in basketball-wise, though, to Matt F's point. Like, I think we could see some more fears in games. But also, again, like, I can't believe people were pushing back on me in the actual video for this. Michigan State was at their best in that game when AJ was playing great. Yeah. So like I I can't believe the takeaway from that game was like no we gotta we gotta get rid of Watt like no you need him to play well and then that unlocks everything and it happened against Arizona that's why you had the comeback yeah just gotta make it happen. Uh, Coy says something to monitor Illinois only has two home games all of December Missouri Rutgers FAU and Tennessee all the way from home kind of need to go at least two and two in those we just recorded our Illinois recap. And I had a mental note on this that I just totally forgot to bring up. Illinois hasn't left Champaign once since the start of the season. So I I love, I don't think Coy's like trying to frame it this way, but I just love that Coy's like, oh yeah, we got a gauntlet coming up. We only got two home games. Like, yeah, it's time that you only have two home games because you haven't left Champaign yet. You're sitting there five and one, loving your team, beating up 300 Ken Palm teams in your home gym. I mean, you know what I always say, don't leave champagne if you don't have to. That's words we absolutely live by. Um, yeah, I. that's a tough stretch, though. Missouri's not good. Rutgers is not good. FAU is good. And Tennessee is good. So I would hope you can go two and two in that. They will go three and one in that. Ooh, you're really buying a line eye stock. I like it. Uh, last comment here from Ulamog doing the Lord's work every week with some awards. Little spin on this from Ulamog this week, Art. The sleep peep of the week goes to Craig for his coverage of Maui and the original content and pictures posted on the Discord. I'm testing different names because I don't like sleepwalkers. Sleeper of the week goes to Guy for Guy Ding Us through Feast Week with his daily guides. Give it up for him. I mean, give it up for him. 
Incredible stuff. Uh, yeah, Craig Bowers was fantastic. He did send a lot of unique stuff in the Discord that uh, he didn't share publicly this week, which was awesome. So, Craig, thank you so much for doing that. We got Joe Jackson in the Discord as well. Everybody should be familiar with the Boilers in the Stands guys' work. They do great stuff. They're covering the number one team in the country, blah, blah, blah. We all know how good Purdue is. Uh, guy, though. I mean, my guy, Guy. What a week for Guy. He put up some numbers during Feast Week. Yeah, I'm fitting, too, that, you know, A.J. Hogard breaks out of his slump in the second half. And, you know, we Guy does his same thing. He's, he is our point guard. He is the Hogard. He go, we go as Guy goes. And Guy, Guy, I don't want to say the word. Yeah, Guy did his thing. Yeah. What, what was the word going to be? <laughs> One sentence answers for these Discord comments. Okay. Yeah, I forgot. Got it. Uh, all right. Thanks to everybody in the Discord. Another great day to kick us off this week. Appreciate you. Join the Discord link in the description. Carl, let's get to our topics. Uh, let's start with college basketball. Why don't we just keep the college basketball train moving and then we'll flip the football for the second half of this episode? Cool. I want to do stock up. This could go a variety of different ways, but now we've just seen the most important week of the non conference season come to a conclusion. We saw Maui, we saw Battle for Atlantis, we saw a bunch of other great tournaments and teams play games that weren't in tournaments. I want you to give me three teams that you are stock up for at the end of Feast Week. You also don't have to do teams. I know I said teams. You can just give me three anything that you are stock up for if you want to go your own unique individual route, because I know you love to do that, my friend. Hmm. That's crazy. Okay, because I don't want to do stock up the Villanova, I'm going to do stock up to Eric Dixon. I'm going to do stock up to Eric Dixon, and this is also in relation to one of my stock down people. Uh, Eric Dixon <laughs> is a mismatch for a lot of college basketball bigs. I think he has gotten better throughout his career. Obviously, I think he's going into maybe his fourth or fifth season at Villanova, but he has just expanded his game. And I think he does a great job at knowing what to do based on who's defending him. Like, you know how we came through this season and we were like, Coleman will elevate his game by realizing if a smaller guy is checking him, post up. If a bigger guy is checking him, do something on the perimeter. I think Eric Dixon does an amazing job of that. Um, and that's not even speaking to like his talent. I just think he does a great job that if he has a big that he can physically dominate, even though he's only about six eight, he does it. If he has a bigger big who's maybe less fleet afoot, he has the ability to knock down jumpers. So I think he does a lot for that team, uh, and I was just overall impressed with him because I feel like he got put towards the wayside this offseason with all the motion and things that they have with transfers at Villanova. So I just want to send a shout out to Eric Dixon. Where is he on your top 10 players of all time list? Because certainly his BMI qualifies. Yeah, but there's got to be some winning that backs that up. Oh. All my, all my guys got high BMI and high banners. Fascinating. Okay. I like that call. Uh, why don't you do all three of yours, and then I'll jump in. All three? Okay. Uh, this might surprise you. Can I give BYU as a winner of my feast week? No, they're on. So they're not on my list, but I had a whole thing for later this week. I want to do a segment on, like, just teams we are not going to quit come March. Like, mark this team down, potential Cinderella. I'm picking BYU to the Sweet 16 minimum. I can already tell. Okay, so I'm gonna save my long-winded thoughts for when we do that later in the ep- later in the week for this episode. But just know, I'm buying this BYU team, and not in like a BYU like they're good in the WCC like watch out for BYU way. Like a nah, BYU's a legit good ass team this season. Like what? Like you don't want to play BYU? 
Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I uh, I'm so impressed with their offense. I think they have just better individual talent than I realized, and they also have like it. It's hard for me to shake the BYU stench a little bit. You know what I mean by that? Just like yeah. it's not fun to like outwardly proclaim you're a BYU fan unless Jim like like, there. like TJ Hawes and Eric Micah still played for that team. Yeah, but. I can almost get there with Hall. I I really can. Like, don't you love him? Oh, I love Hall. He's really fun. Waterman has that generic W tat on his shoulder, and that's it. Like, I'm in on that. Yeah, there's some really fun stuff to like here. I love that pick. Good call out by you. Give me a third one. Third one, I'm going to have to go Oso Igadaro. Wow, that's your boy. You've been gassing him up for weeks now. That dude is so damn good, man. He just – he does everything – I already am predicting that the Warriors are going to pick Oso with the 28th pick, and he's going to be absolutely special in that role on that team. Like, he's just that good. He's a great, great leaper, great defender, great pat. Like, great. he does, honestly, he really does everything well. He gets better every game I see him. I still stand by my take that he is the second best big in the country. That's who I'm picking behind Zach Eady. So, yeah, Oso is my third winner. Yeah, I still hate that take so much. I just think that's horrendous. But yep, um, I know you do. It's fine though. It's yeah. It just move on. I guess that's all. Yep. Okay. All right. You ready for my three? Please. Stock up. This is a team that I've talked down all off season, and I'm ready to have my I think first loud. I was wrong about this team moment of the season. Baylor's really good. They're really really good. I like them. Uh, and I, I know I shouldn't be impressed with just like a four point victory against Todd Golden, but dare I say, I think Florida might be pretty good too. I I, I like what I'm seeing from this Todd Golden team. Uh, and I, more importantly, Baylor's undefeated right now. They've taken care of business against the cupcake opponents they've played. They had the comeback win against Auburn. And I thought Auburn played great in that game. And then to me, Florida played really well in this game and Baylor was still up. 10 for most of the second half. They got a great Riley Kugel game. He had 25, nine and three, four for six from three. And it still wasn't enough. Like this Baylor team. I still don't think they have the brand name superstars that they have had the last five years in their good versions, but Jacoby Walter could be that by the end of the season. And while I still have some issues with Ray J Dennis, and I don't think he would have elevated Illinois a ton. He's a bucket in a way. I didn't realize Ray J is a, bucket and i didn't realize bucket, bucket. that either like you brought that like ray j's a bucket for real yeah he's a bucket bucket and i like Jaden nunn i like he didn't shoot well in this game but i like where how he's kind of integrating with them because nunn's not gonna shoot 20 times in a game i feel like last year there were some issues where like crier was upset that Keontae was shooting or flagler was upset this year like i don't think nunn cares if he's not shooting as much as ray j dennis and i think that works Jalen Bridges is still, I mean, God, talk about a transfer miss. If Jalen Bridges had picked Michigan State, y'all are killers. He just starts where Malik Hall is, and it's perfect. He's so good. And then they got depth, too. Like, they're bringing the right guys off the bench right now. So, I was wrong about Baylor. This team's good. Ray J did keep Florida in this game about seven different times with a horrible turnover, though. But that, but that's the that's the beauty of that. That's a player we love. We love a player that gets a bucket but also throws a turnover or two in there to keep the other team in the game. we can, it, It's an abusive, toxic relationship we can't let go. I just don't think he can pass. That's my thing. And I, he That sounds crazy to say after he had eight assists this game, 
But uh, I'm not buying him as a passer. I'm buying him as a scorer. If they could just tell him never pass the ball, I'd be all the way in on Ray J. Dennis. Okay. Yeah, just, Team number just do you. Don't try to be a point guard, Ray J. Just, just, yeah. be, just be a bucket. <laughs> Team number two, for me, I think this one's going to shock you, especially because they just got blown out today by your Ohio State Buckeyes. Stock up for Santa Clara. Wow. I think this seems really good. How much Santa Clara have you watched this season? So I only have watched a game and a half, but they, they did impress me in that game and a half, but they also did get blown out today. Like you stated, but like, I, uh, is it Adama ball? I believe his name is Adama ball. That dude can go. <laughs> it's one of the 20 best players in the country. And that might be low. I just want to say that right now. Adama ball is a superstar. I think he could be a lottery pick. I think if a team doesn't pick him in the lottery, whoever gets him is going to get a lottery pick caliber player. This kid is an absolute monster. We've seen Santa Clara turn guys into pros in the past. I think they've got multiple that that could end up happening with with this team. They got Christoph Tilly in the front court, by the way, who just remember the name. He's like 7-1. He can shoot. He can pass. He's honestly a player that like you would absolutely love the game of, knowing the type of bigs that you like. His BMI doesn't hit your caliber, though. Uh. But – he like he can just do a lot for how big he is. Um, I think this team has dudes, and I think whoever they're gonna make the tournament. I feel very strong in that. They're gonna be the team I think a lot of people hoped St. Mary's would be as like a real team that can fight Gonzaga in that conference. And uh whoever catches them in the first round of the tournament, like God forbid, if they're like a 10 or 11 seed and they catch like a, a seven or a six and then a two or a three the next round, I think this team could make a deep run in the tournament. No, no one, no one. Illinois is there left. They're going to get mashed up with Illinois is going to get mashed up with all these sneaky teams that we're talking about. They're going to get BYU. They're going to get Santa Clara. Dog, if Illinois gets Santa Clara round one, I'm so sorry, but I can't pick Santa Clara quick enough in that <laughs> setting. I love this team. Um, and watch it down the ball for real. Go look up his highlights. Like this kid, it got dicey for them in the Oregon game, back and forth game. And he just scored 10, 10 straight points on his own in three minutes. And it was like a step back three, a uh, mid hezzy pull up, got all the way to the rim and one, and then a dunk like off a steel breakaway. Like he just, he can literally do it all on the floor. I'm so impressed. I'm in love with this game. My third stock up team. Oh boy. They're my least favorite team in the country right now. It's the Texas A&M Aggies. Unfortunately, I agree with you. I know it hurts, but like, yeah. So (laughs) for those that don't know the backstory, I only made one bet today. I sent it to our Discord. Uh, I didn't send it to the Dub Club because I didn't do any individual games. I literally just bet a parlay today. It was two NFL games. It was two college basketball games. The first three legs all hit. It was $100 to win $2,000. The final leg of this game or this parlay was Texas A&M to beat Iowa State. Texas A&M was down 35 to 16 when I was feeding my daughter tonight and I checked the cash out. I could cash out for like 150 bucks, make a small profit on the hundred dollar bet that I play still. They look dead. I mean, you and I were texting about it. They looked like they didn't want to be there. They're missing two of their three best players. And uh, Wade Taylor was doing nothing. He looked like he had no interest in being there. So I cash out. Texas A&M goes on an 18-0 run, ends up dominating the second half, steals the game away. This team has no quit. This team is the team you and I thought they were when we fell in love with them during Feast Week. They're tough as shit. Wade Taylor's one of the three best guards in the country. 
Um, like we we've been talking about Tyson Walker. I think Wade Taylor's better than Tyson Walker right now. I think he might be the second best guard in the country. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not mad at that take. Wade Taylor's really really good. Uh, Coleman is good. I just love I I love their team. Uh, Solomon Washington is just like the perfect like glue guy, energy guy too. I love his game. He plays with an intensity and. I don't know. I just love watching that team play. And they were able to pull off a win tonight, being down 20 and without two of their best players against the Iowa State team that is not bad. So I like that team. There's not going to be anything that can get me off Texas A&M, I think, for the rest of the year. I've already made that decision, and I'm going to just ride or die with it. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, you do have to put them there. I know they hurt you, but that's a good that's a good call by you. Yeah, and one bonus from me. Uh, I know we're supposed <laughs> to stick to three, but I have one bonus. Stock up. Big Ten is stock hey. up. Card. The Big Ten is stock up. You want to know why? Couldn't go down? You want to know why? Here's why. It couldn't go down? Here's why. Purdue's that. But like, we don't, we don't got to have concerns if Purdue's actually the best team in the country now. Purdue's the best team in the country. Our conference has the best team in the country. Say that again uh-huh. and again and again. It, it, the, like, they're going to elevate everything. Illinois looks legit. Michigan State, signs of life against Arizona. Ohio State? Huge couple of uh, neutral wins. They beat Alabama. They beat a Santa Clara team that I absolutely love. Wisconsin showing some serious signs of life, winning some basketball games. Like even the the teams that are lower down the list are showing signs of life at least and reasons to be excited about this group. But all in all, I'm buying the Big Ten because at the end of the day, they have the best team in the country in this conference, and there's no denying that anymore. I'm not. Not mad at all. While we are mentioning the Big Ten, let's not be in shock when we get to the end of the year and we're having discussions and the serious conversation that Roddy Gale is the best guard in the Big Ten actually has legs. He's really good, man. He's, He's so, so fun good. to watch. He's so – like that that game that they – I know this isn't part of the set, but that game that they had uh, against Bama where it was basically just like, all right, you know what? We've been struggling. Let's just – we got two dogs. We got Bruce Thornton and we got Roddy Gale. Let's see what those guys can do. Yeah, it was special. It was truly special. All right, stock down. It wouldn't be us if we didn't move quickly from praise to hating. So give me your three that you are stocked down on after Feast Week. Let me get, let me get my bag. This is where I thrive at. First one, Armando Baycott. Armando <laughs> Baycott, 100%. And I don't want to make this a personal thing because I really, honestly don't like doing stock down things outside of teams. But, but unfortunately, Armando Baycott – considers himself and he's considered by a lot of people to be this all-american player best rebounder in college basketball dominant big man not many people can mess with him he's going on his fifth year he's 23 years old all this accolades all this flipping the script i lost my ex the divorce happened i got happy i took the dog conversation and you let eric dixon come out and sun you like really sun you and hand you an l and absolutely dominate you, and you did nothing about it. And I think we're going to honestly get to the end of Armando Baycott's career and say, wow, he's a really great player, really great player, did all this, did all that. Is he a winning player? Is he a player that when it's winning time, you want to lean on that player? You want to lean on that guy? Because I saw a guy shrink. I saw Eric Dixon come in there and take his lunch money. And I don't think you can be considered one of the best bigs in the country and let that happen. I don't think you're wrong, except I do think you're wrong when you said you don't like hating 
on anything. Like you definitely. I said. I said I don't like because I don't want it to seem like I'm attacking a, a college student athlete. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> so, uh, sure, sure. yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We've had to have conversations with, uh, you know people that we work with from time to time on what's appropriate and what's not. And uh, you are one of the people we've had to have conversations about. So I appreciate you saying what you're saying, but I think it's totally fair and totally warranted with Armando. Like I, uh, spoiler alert, I, one of my stock down is North Carolina as a team. I couldn't be less afraid of Armando Baycott and RJ Davis. And I get that that is crazy to say because RJ Davis's numbers are really good this season. Like he, RJ Davis is putting up fringe all American numbers. That's great. Armando Baycott's putting up the same stuff he's been doing his whole career. He's getting a thousand rebounds a game. And if you actually watch the game, it's rare to me that I feel like he's dominating the game in the post. And I think this team did not take the step forward that we expected post Caleb Love. Part of that you could blame the surrounding pieces for. But I like what I'm seeing from Harrison Ingram right now. I think he looks good. Cormac Ryan had the whole weird injury thing. They won the game after, like, without Cormac Ryan the next game. So, like, I guess give them credit. But I just – I don't like it. I don't feel like I trust this team. I think this is the same group it's been because any team built around RJ Davis and Armando Baycott is what it is. Those guys are good individual stat players. Those guys are not guys that have ever been a part of serious winning teams other than one crazy three weeks that stretch in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I'm with you. Which uh, by the way, who is their best player during that run? Caleb Love. And he ain't here. Good call. Uh, second on my list, who do I want to go to first? Cause I want to end with a certain team. Uh, okay. I'll go this way. Uh, <laughs> my stock down is don't connect because I think that he's getting overhyped a bit too much. I th- I think there's, I think there needs to be serious look into the fact that he isn't showing up in second halves of games and look, I get it. He's in Hawaii, humidity, all this stuff's going on, cramps happen. I get that. Like, that's not he, – he really can't control that. But I'm just – I got my eye on it going throughout the season. I need two halves to connect. I need him, I need him to connect two halves together. He hasn't done that. Yeah. Except, except against Michigan State. He just doesn't guard and he gets cramps. And that's – those are two things that can't happen at the same time. They can't? I mean, they can, but like, it's not good for you or your team if you if you're not guarding and you get cramps. Okay, uh, and this ties into what I want to say: stock down as a whole, stock down for the SEC, stock down for the SEC. Hmm. Why are you making that face? I elaborate. Why? I don't think Bama's as good as I thought they were going to be. I don't think Arkansas is as good as I thought they were going to be. Tennessee kind of wavered a little bit in Maui in my eyes. Kentucky's having dog fights with St. Joe's. Like, I, yeah, just stock down for the SEC in my eyes. Counterpoint. Texas A&M looks good. Okay, that's one. Counterpoint. Kentucky looks good. I like Kentucky, but okay. Stock Counterpoint. down. Top. Counterpoint. Stock Counterpoint. Down. Florida looks good. Uh, no. Counterpoint. Auburn looks all right. All right. Okay. I'm so like, I they got a lot of teams, right? I like to go stock down SEC. But did did we really think Tennessee was elite? Like we're yeah, Tennessee I did. Clearly looks I did. better I did. than I did. we thought. I did. 
Not coming into the season, you didn't. Uh, I mean, after that Michigan State scrimmage, I did. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I guess. I, I don't like that one. Sorry, I'm stocked down on your third stock down. I think that was a bad stock down. My final stock down is one – or no, I have two, actually. Sorry, I just jumped on your North Carolina. I have two. Uh, R. Creighton. It's time for the first conversation about R. Creighton. This is what it comes down to for me. The loss to Colorado State was horrible. They got punked. It was a blowout. It never should have been a blowout. It is what it is. I think the serious issue is not that one result from one game. I think the serious issue is Stephen Ashworth is not what I thought he would be. Yes. Yeah. I I agree with that 100%. I think that's a cause for concern. We were hopeful that Ashworth's presence would mean Trey Alexander looks great and Ashworth's a floor spacer and it all works out and you don't miss Ryan Nemhard. The truth is, I think Alexander does look better, although he was horrendous in the loss. But Ashworth is a clear – like, they're just worse. They're way worse than they were with Ryan Nemhard with Steven Ashworth. So yeah. I can't take them serious as a title contender if that's what it's going to be all year. Yeah, unfortunately. But also at the same time, Colorado State is actually might could get themselves in the stock up category. They're good. They're super good. I love them. I love yeah. Isaiah Stevens. He's love Isaiah incredible. Stevens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Like, and Ashworth's shooting the ball well, by the way. Like, the part of the problem here isn't like he's missing shots. It's just he's tiny and I don't think he can get his shots off. Yeah. True. It's not they great. Just, they, they need to just go all in on Trey. Like, let's, let's act like there's only one guard on the floor. Just let Trey just do everything. And I know he has some bad games, but I don't, I, I do, I do not care. Trey Alexander's a bad man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, final stock down for me. I do think you'll like this one as well. The Duke Blue Devils. I've been hinting that I think this team is soft. Uh, did this team like lose any notable games this week? No. Did they have a sleepy little game that they hope nobody was watching right around Thanksgiving against Southern Indiana? Yes. They were trailing Southern Indiana by four points. Carter, this is the same Southern Indiana team, by the way, that lost to Michigan State 74-51 to in a game in which Michigan State shot one for 11 from three-point range. I thought Michigan State played objectively terrible in the game against Southern Indiana, and it was still a dog walking. I have no idea how this Duke Blue Devils team lost a 20-minute stretch against Southern Indiana. They are one of the worst basketball teams I have ever seen, and I think that says something about where this Duke team is at. I I, I agree with you. I, I think the soft moniker is something they're not going to be able to shake. I think that, that, should, that might just be who they are as a team. And as someone who watched that Southern Indiana team, in embarrassing that this game was even as close as it was and that this team was able to play with them at Cameron. It's almost worse to me that they just like flipped it on second half too. Like that just yeah. means, you no show that may, that says something about where you're at mentally, not just physically. So yeah, I, I hated it. I hate everything that I'm seeing from Duke right now. They're sitting there five and one, but um, I think we've gotten a lot of really underwhelming performances from Duke. So there you have it folks stock up, stock down from feast week. Sleepers Media on the YouTube channel. We are now at the halfway point of our episode card. Do you want to do an on-the-fly ad read that has nothing to do with what we're doing? Yeah, of course, and it's going to be a repeat of what was said earlier because I feel like you didn't say the point that needed to be said. Uh, there might be some new people listening to us, right? There might be people who are previous listeners to us and realize that we're ramping things up, and they want to find a way to 
support us. I mean, there's, I mean, I think everyone out there kind of wants to do the things for the, you know, hashtag or quote unquote, blue collar guys, hard workers, little guys, small business, whatever term you want to use. The best way to do that currently is by joining our discord. And not only does it support us, but the community that's being built over there, the perks that you get with joining it as well, as far as the giveaways, information that we have, conversations about basketball, uh, just dialogue in general. Even if you don't want to, even if you don't want to participate in that, the best way to support us is by joining the Discord for a small fee of nine ninety nine a month if you join on desktop, and that directly supports us in everything we do and all the time that we put into this, as far as editing and content and watching the games and doing all that. And we appreciate it greatly, every single person who does it. So if you aren't already, join it. God damn it, just give it a try. I promise you, you won't leave afterwards. We have great retention rate uh, outside of Steve Steve Parks. By the way, shout out to Steve Parks. He still comments on our YouTube videos. I see you. But besides that, we got good retention rate. That means that the stuff is good. Jeff Parks. Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. Now he's not going to comment on our YouTube video. <laughs> I mean, you asked you asked for me to do something on the fly, and then you expect that not to happen. That's on you. Yeah, understood. Uh, okay, thanks for the ad read. And just to add to that, it literally pays my checks right now. Like that's that's where my income is coming from now. Is uh, various ways that we make money off of sleepers, which includes watching our YouTube videos and joining the Discord. So. Uh, yeah, we're my my little baby daughter car is about to eat real food this week for the first time. Hey, terrifying. We I have to learn how to like cut up and dice a banana this week. That's what we're starting with. And uh I got to be able to buy bananas. I got to be able to buy a dicer. And right now like funds are low. You said you got to buy a dicer? Yeah. I okay. assume that's how you dice a banana with a dicer. No, you just take a knife and you just just cut it probably. Last time I did that, I sliced my thumb open. I still have a scar. That's crazy. You can see it. Yeah. That's Not great. Funny. Not great. Also sing as a banana dicer. I'll let you know that right now. But yeah. Well, I I think I could probably find one. Check TikTok. Did I tell you my new Shark Tank idea, by the way? No. I'll tell you offline, but I have a great new entrepreneurial endeavor that I'm undertaking. Uh, that'd be great because I realized today as I was actually watching Shark Tank before I went to go record with you that the money is making anything kids related. So if it's a kid's product, as far as like anything that involves kids, it's going to make money and people are going to eat it up. It involves kids. I can't believe you just nailed that. It yeah. literally is a kid oriented idea. I'm I'm in. <laughs> it's great. Okay. We'll talk. We might need you as an investor. I have one business partner already on this mission with me. So is it Evan uh, Meyer? No, it's not Evan Meyer. I can't let Evan around kids. <laughs> Isn't I Evan a teacher? Like I don't, I don't want Evan to get in a Josh Giddy situation. Not that he would, but like there would be people trying to trap Evan in a Josh Giddy situation. That's facts. Yeah, do not want to see Evan at a parent-teacher conference. Yeah, and to be clear, like Evan would never, but like you don't want your boy to get Josh Giddy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying, should we move on? I think we should. I think we should. Should we move on from one sexual deviant to another sexual deviant? Oh, good Lord. What a segue. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Michigan state has a new football coach. It's Jonathan Smith, uh, Oregon state's previous head coach. Build the dam is the hashtag. Uh, I know 
Michigan State loves their hashtags from their head coaches. So we'll see if there's any dams being built in the deep end going forward. But, uh, yeah, I think good football coach. Had a great two-year run in the last two years. He uh, inherited one of the worst programs in the country, absolutely, at the time that he took it over in the Pac-12. He had three consecutive losing seasons to start. Then he had a seven and six season. Then he had a 10-win season. And then now, what are they, eight and four right now, pending the bowl game? So um, hard to say he was not successful at all. Like He's got a knack for building great offenses. I think people consider him more of an offensive guy based on what I've heard. You can tell me if I'm wrong on that. But um, he's bringing a lot of coordinators with him. Might have an opportunity to bring some players with him, including a certain underclassman quarterback that is a dual threat that had some very special offensive packages built up for him this year. So are you pleased with this hire? Do you think this is good for Michigan State? Is it the best they could have done? You know, I don't know if it is the best they could have done. And I I might be wrong on this. I might be naive about the situation. But I I there, you know what? There probably was some some bigger name hires out there that they possibly could have got. I don't know who it could have been, but like who knows? Could have been anybody. But that doesn't change the fact that I think this is a good hire. I think that he is going to build something. I mean, we're at rock bottom right now as far as Michigan State football. We needed a hard reset. I think he'll do a good job of doing a hard reset of this. I think that he will be a football coach that wins eight to nine games uh, on a yearly basis and with the possibility of winning more depending on what he does, his resources, his staff, and the players that he gets. Um, He's a former college quarterback. I think he does a good job with quarterbacks. God damn it, we need a quarterback, so maybe he can bring one with him. If not, I got faith that he can go get a quarterback. Like, you know, last season, even though he was Pac-12 player, Pac-12 coach of the year um, and had a pretty good season, he came into this year and saw an issue. He's like, I don't have a quarterback. So he went to the transfer portal and said, I'm going to get my team at quarterback. And he went out and got a DJU. And as a DJU hater coming into the season, I thought he had a pretty good year. I thought he did some pretty good things at Oregon State. So I like the hire. I think he's a good dude. I think he's a good football coach. Um, so I'm happy with it. Like, if you want me to give it a grade, I think i give it like a, a B, a B grade. I feel good about it. Okay. I don't hate that grade at all. Uh, like I said, I, I don't think Jonathan Smith is a bad football coach by any means. I think his Oregon State teams were very tough. Um, not like any time – if there was like a marquee game in Corvallis, like if in the last couple of years where like USC has to go to Corvallis, that was like a game we circled of like, oh, this could be a good spot to bet Oregon State. Like it's really fun. And a, a night game in Corvallis, he had that place rocking. He had dudes – you're right. Like the the development we saw from Uyagalale from Clemson to Oregon State, like has me really excited that this guy can unlock things from really talented players. Um, yeah, my can I can I flip now and do the problems I have with this? Yeah, can I say one last thing? Uh-huh. Uh trenches guy, O lineman guy. He gets really? really good ones. Yes. Well, that that might be more uh more of a, a testament to his his offensive line coach who he is bringing with him uh apparently that's what reports are but like yeah like he's a he's a guy who builds really good offensive lines and we have awful ones so yeah i mean everything's been awful right like every every yeah. single thing needs an upgrade so um yeah. 
it, it is good. It, it seems like people are pointing to a lot of different strengths for Jonathan Smith. So that's good. It's not like he's a, a one trick pony of a coach. He's been good at a lot of different things. He's built a good staff. He's brought good players in. And the thought would be with more resources, he can be more successful at an even larger extent in Michigan state. Here's my thing. It is projection because Mm -hmm. he hasn't been that good at Oregon state. And while you can sit back and say like, wow, what an impressive turnaround from a team that won two games to a team that's consistently winning eight games. You're right. That's good. He deserves a lot of credit for it. It's not great. It's good. It's not great. And I hear everybody saying this was a bad coaching carousel cycle. He might've been the best they could do. Uh, I, I have a little bit of pushback on that in just a moment, but um I just think like if we're talking, oh, like we we think he's a coach that can win nine games consistently in the Big Ten, right? That's sort of the bar for us to call this a successful hire is he's going to win nine games year in and year out when we get three, four years down the road, right? That's mm-hmm. that's more impressive than anything he's done. Like that would need to – it's kind of like I said with Michigan State basketball this year. Like we need to see it from guys like A.J. Hogard that haven't done this. We need to see the leap. We need to see the leap from Jonathan Smith because – Eight wins in the Pac-12 does not transitive property to nine wins in the Big Ten with Washington and Oregon and USC and UCLA coming over. It doesn't. Yeah, true. But but you did say that the Pac-12 was tougher than the Big Ten this year. Um, I think it was deeper. I think it was deeper. But like mm-hmm. there there is not. I I mean we can talk about Washington and Oregon who are great teams. One of them's yeah. going to be in the playoff. But like there aren't Michigans and Ohio States in the Pac-12. There aren't. Right. So like there, and I know the big Ten's expanding. So schedules are going to be crazy. Strength of schedule is going to change every year. But if Jonathan Smith's really lining up three years from now and his schedule includes six games against Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, Washington, USC, UCLA, Oregon. And then like you, you go down from that group of seven down to the next group of like Wisconsin. I like, you're going to need some schedule luck if this guy's really going to win nine games here in year out, I think, because I don't I don't view him as a guy who's going to run a program that mixes in with Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State and USC and Oregon in this. Con- I just don't. I think that's like like now there's five monsters in this conference. And if you went out and got a monster, I, the big name was obviously the raise the flag that Spiro was screaming about with Urban Meyer. But like. There's a limited amount of monsters in college football that can just instantly make a program ready to contend. I don't think Jonathan Smith is that. I don't think his biggest successes of his career were close to contending. Like, I just just don't think that's the case. I mean, we just watched – he just had his quote-unquote best team. His tenure just ended with a 31-7 to loss to Oregon. What are we doing? The team didn't get over the hump in the Pac-12. At or- I mean, yeah, I know. I t- Oregon's really good. They beat Oregon okay. last year. He's going he's gonna to face really good teams in the Big Ten four years from now. But to get to 9-8 wins, he doesn't have to win all those games. And you also don't have to be some powerhouse to beat those teams as well. Like, Mel Tucker beat Michigan teams. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it's a if it's a rivalry game and you can – it can really go either way, you just got to give yourself – you don't have to be, like, some juggernaut. We don't have to be, like, uh, like the teams you mentioned – but if we can be somewhat confident or maybe better at some positions and then have good coaching and good game planning, you can win football games like that. And they don't got to win everyone, but they, if they win some of them, 
you know, uh, I, I, I don't I don't want to reveal what you said yesterday, but I thought like your plan for like what his first four years look like, like works for me. You said like winning season, seven games, eight games the next year. And then like with those eight and fours, I see like a nine and three season or shit, maybe even like a 10 win season somewhere in there just to mix that in. Um, I think that's kind of a good scale to judge him on. Uh, and I think he can get there. And at the end of the day too, we got a good guy. So mm-hmm. like that kind of counts for something. At it least does. we, at least he is. I, I think he's a good guy. It 100% does. I got a little concerned when I saw some Kleenex on the private jet. Um, that was just like, let's let, we don't need Kleenex around my coach anywhere right now. Um, but yeah, I, Correct. I think there's no character concerns here whatsoever, which is great because other candidates definitely had character concerns and it wasn't just urban like PJ Fleck was on a list at one point. So we we have a guy who we like the character of. We like everything about him as a guy. We like everything about him on paper as a football coach. He just needs to do something he hasn't done. That's all that is my hold back on him. Um, Couple just things I want to like. Not rebuttal, because I'm not saying this is a bad hire by any means, but just just things that are now part of the narrative that are bugging me here. Uh-huh. Have you heard a lot of like, well, Oregon State's a place nobody wins at? Have you heard that? Uh, I've heard I've like heard nobody. That. I've heard like the hard to win there. Yeah. Okay. I, I've heard a lot of like, well, nobody wins at Oregon State. So him doing mm-hmm. this is like a clear like if he could win eight games at Oregon State he's a great coach Mm -hmm. let's go back through since 2000 the last there's four guys who have coached at Oregon State since 2000 Dennis Erickson was there for four years since 2000 he had three winning seasons in four years Mike Riley took over for him after that he was there for 12 years you know why he was there for 12 years because he had eight winning seasons in 12 years uh Gary Anderson took over for him was horrible he was fired after three seasons or left after three seasons, zero winning seasons in three years. Then Jonathan Smith came in, had six seasons. He had three winning seasons in six years. It's not a place nobody could win at. In fact, if you're looking at the last four coaches since 2000, Jonathan Smith is third in terms of seasons with winning records. So like, <laughs> I, I just don't like that talking point. Um, I get what he inherited was really, really bad. He turned it around, but it, it's not some like, crazy unprecedented accomplishment that this guy was able to go eight and four in the pac 12. That's, that's not, that's like a B minus accomplishment to me. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. I think a lot of that is also relative, like who's in the pac 12, but I will say that it's not like he won at an impossible to win spot. I think he took, I, I don't think that should be the narrative. I think it should be, he took basically a rock bottom program and they're relevant now. Yeah, um, five and seven against ranked teams the last two years, I believe is the number. So, like, if those are – he had two great years at Oregon State. Five and seven against ranked teams? Like, I, I just don't know, man. Like, I, I, I'm i not seeing – like, like I get it. He turned it around. That's absolutely true. But, um, like you said, a lot of this comes down to, like, who did you play? Like, let's look yeah, at I mean, who they played this year. Like... <laughs> Outside of like you say that, but like outside of like Sabins and Kirby Smarts and Harbaugh's and Days, like what what are other teams rank teams against rank records or like right. other coaches? Right. I mean, I I, I mean, hear you. Um, yeah. I hear you. I just 
I think they're like when you look at like, oh, eight and four was great this year in the Pac 12. Like, let's can we dissect his wins real quick? Who were the eight wins mm-hmm. this year? He beat San Jose State. Great win, I guess. UC mm-hmm. Davis. Okay. He beat San Diego State, who's now horrible. He lost to Jake Dickert, who at one time was the hottest name, according to the people who are now saying this is the best coach you could get. Uh, he had a great win against Utah, who at the time was 10th in the country. Utah now not close to the team they were earlier in the season, but that's a good win, right? Good win against mm-hmm. Utah. He beat Cal. He beat UCLA. Again, looking horrible now, but at the time, good win. Uh, he beat Colorado after the wheels had fallen off. He beat Stanford, who's horrible. Mm-hmm. What win on that list are you impressed with? <laughs> I mean, the, I I I would say there was. I mean, you pointed out like Utah. That's a good win. Utah and UCLA, right? Those are the two wins we're impressed. Yeah, with. I would say. So. I mean, there's also. I mean, there's coaches out there that lose to Cal. Okay, I just like if we're if we're going through his eight and four year this year, I think the two impressive wins were Utah and UCLA. Who uh, both finished five and four and four and five in the Pac-12. Yeah. So can I play like can I play like the shoulda coulda game at all with this? Sure. Like had Washington on the ropes, kind of blew it. This is very much a like got a guy who can have them on the ropes. Like if that's if that's where the bar is. Okay, now how about oh program. spin zone. Guy who has him on the ropes, give that guy more rope, give that guy more resources, gets over ropes. Give that guy more rope. Yeah. Gets okay. over ropes. Maybe. Maybe. I'm willing to buy that. I just I want everyone to acknowledge it's about projection. Don't make the same mistake we made with Michigan State basketball. He needs to make a leap to be the coach that's actually the best hire available in this cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, which leads me to my last point. I despise everyone that's trying to tell me this is the best hire and clearly the best hire they could have made. That's another thing I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot. Um, just like in, in the talking points from people that report on this stuff, the talking point is like Michigan state came away with the best hire they could have made in this cycle. I'm, I'm looking directly at those people on this one. Cause it's multiple people doing it. That's bullshit. And you know that's bullshit. And if you're paywalling your articles for this to just propaganda it out that this was the best hire they could have made, you're doing a disservice to your audience because you're the same people that eight weeks ago said the best hire available was Jake Dickert or the Colorado OC or Mike Elko. Like, and by the way, Mike Elko's going to Texas A&M. For the record, I think Mike Elko and Jonathan Smith are identical in caliber. I think they're both good coaches. I think they're both meh hires. I don't think either one was a slam dunk. But you can't feed the prop. Like, literally, the people who are now saying this was the clear best hire, I have receipts of tweets of you saying Mike Elko's the obvious guy and paywalling articles for people to read that. So I, I don't understand, like, whoever the guy was was just going to end up being painted as the best hire because Jonathan Smith was not the best hire available they could have made. He's just the guy they hired. Well, maybe he, well maybe Elko was the best at the time until Texas A&M said it was time, time to, you know. I think it's a disaster, man. If they hired Elko, the same people would be telling us that's the best hire. If they hired Leipold, the same people would be telling us that's the best hire. If they hired Urban... It would be a no-brainer that that's the best hire because, by the way, you could have hired Urban, and I get Urban didn't want it, 
But like you could have, you could have found a way to get it done. I I just don't. Yeah, I don't think we could. I I really don't think we could have with Urban. But I hear you. I hear you with saying that. Like, I think a little bit of that is just like, I don't know. Just I mean, shit. I was I wasn't the one saying this. So I can't explain it. But like, you're, you're a Michigan State person, so like you're gonna be like, yeah, I love this hire. Unless they absolutely hate it, and it's just like a shitty hire. Then I feel like they'll come out and say it. But like, if there's any leeway, or if he's the same as other people, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, they did the right thing. Yeah, I just think it's misleading to an audience. And I think there's a lot of that going on in the circles of people who cover this team. And that's that's frustrating to me because it's from people like I really enjoy the work of and like the respect of. But we don't we don't have to hyperbolize everything in a positive way. Like we can it, it's perfectly OK as we do this with college basketball teams and players all the time. It's perfectly OK to come on here and say Jonathan Smith was a good, not great hire. He was one of the best available candidates. It's Last thing I'll candidate. say on that, we gave ourselves the leeway to do that when we're not affiliated with the school in any way. I think that's garbage. Yeah, I mean, that's, it might it might be, but who's, I feel like that definitely plays a factor. Not, no, now me. you're asking me to, like, name names, and I don't want to name names. No, no, I not even – no, not even not even that. I'm speaking from a, a place where I have said things – and had things literally shot down or put aside because they don't want to upset certain people at the school or talk about certain people at the school in 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 I don't I don't even, in in fear of the consequences of that as far as access or things like that. That's bad journalism, and I'm I'm not here to say like let I'm the journalism guru, but like if if we, we all agree it's lame as shit when Michigan people don't report bad things on their program, right? On their scandals. Like there yeah. was a lot of that. Michigan media wouldn't talk about it. So I, I don't, I want to not do that. I don't want Michigan state people to paint everything as if it's perfect when it's not. And again, that that doesn't just apply to Jonathan Smith, who I think is a good coach and it was an, a, an okay to good hire, but running around now, just because he got hired to say he's the best hire is nonsense and it's bullshit. And <laughs> I wish the people who actually, because these people do have sources and they work their butts off and they do a lot of great work. I just don't get why they have to go the extra mile to like lie to their audience. Yeah. It bothers me. Yeah, I can't, I can't answer for that. All right. Uh, rapid fire follow-ups and then we'll wrap the Jonathan Smith segment. Yeah. I want to play, do you want this person in a Michigan State football program next year. Do you want this person still in the Michigan State football program next year? Yes or no? I'm going to throw names at you. Okay. Ready, set, go. Harlan Barnett. Yes. Caden Hauser. No. Sam Levitt. Also no. I think those are the only ones that I have. I was going to like get into the weeds more, but if you're saying no to the two quarterbacks, then I think you'd say no to everybody else on my list. Yeah, no. What's uh give me the reasoning on the quarterbacks. I'm a little surprised you said no to both of them. Uh well, one, I feel like they're both going to leave anyway. Like I feel like that's like right, like new coach, people that recruited them aren't there. Not successful, new coach coming in, they're gone anyway. Um I guess I was a little bit harsh on that. I mean, we I did talk about how I feel like Jonathan Smith is a guy who can do good things with quarterbacks. So, like, if they want to stick around, if I had to pick one of the two, I want Levitt to stick around more than Hauser. Okay. The, the I think Hauser actually might be bad. 
whoa, we got there. Oh my God, I've been waiting for it. We got there. Wow. I'm like, ha- I'm happy for you right now. But also, can he be bad and still end up being good or is he just bad? I mean, he had an impossible job this year. Like no no quarterback on earth would have survived playing behind that line against Penn State. So, yeah. but I I don't think he's good. I think he, he showed very clearly he underthrew a bunch of balls this year. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't take care of the rock, turned it over constantly. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm proud of you. That's how I feel right now. I feel like, I mean, we finally got there. It just took a brand new head coach with new quarterback prospects and knowing that Caden Hauser won't start next year for you to finally say it. No, it just took me seeing him play, which is what I said earlier. If I once oh, I saw yeah. him play, I would say, oh, yeah, he stinks. How come you didn't say it until after the Penn State game then? I feel like I've actually been saying it like pretty pretty consistently. That he's Maybe we just haven't talked about Michigan yeah. State football as much. You know, he did win Big Ten freshman of the week <laughs> against Indiana. Hey. Maybe there's something there. Never forget Noah Kim, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, week two. What, yep. what against, a week it was against who was that? Uh, I don't remember. I I've tried to put all of this out of my brain this year. If you can't tell, I I as you should. Are Justice, you are are you with us moving forward? <laughs> yes, I am. You yes. are. Promise? Yes, I am. I am. I I am. I uh, I hope I like Jonathan Smith. Okay. I'll say that. I I. It's too early for me to judge and tell if I do like him or not. It became very clear after the Mel hire, like I just despised Mel's gimmicks. So it was hard for me, even though I did, it was hard for me to root for Michigan State football under Mel because I just hated Mel. So I hope I like Jonathan Smith. I think I might. He seems like a great guy. Okay. Happy happy to have you. I hope I like him too. I hope he wins a couple games. If he brings Childs, I'd be really excited. There's a couple Oregon State guys I want. I don't know if it's possible to get, but like I've got a list of ones I want. Let me see that list. Send that to me offline. That's pretty exciting. Uh, by the way, I had a really nice line in the Discord at like 2 in the morning last night that I I feel was good enough to say on the podcast. Would you mind if I say it real quick? Is it the one about the Hopcat? Yeah. So yep. uh, breaking news, uh, there's a new burger at Hopcat in East Lansing. Everybody should go get. It's actually the Caton Hauser burger. It's just two buns, but everybody pretends it's not buns for six months. <laughs> Really good. I, did a good I got quite a few chuckles, yes. Solid. Thank you. Okay, uh, one more football topic. Michigan and Ohio State, the game, as it is referred to, Michigan wins for the third consecutive season. Some people build this up to be the most important or the highest stakes Michigan-Ohio State game. And, Card, I this might surprise you. I think that's a fair way to frame it. Uh, I really do. Because I think what was at stake – for both sides of this rivalry in this game swings the programs in such crazy drastic directions. Like Ryan day could have completely rewrited the ship, taken control back and sort of saved his legacy. But now he just lost to a team without their head coach that he may have had a hand in not having their head coach. And he still couldn't get over the hump. And it might be the final fork in his tenure at Ohio State. We don't know, which would be crazy because he's 40-0 and in Big Ten play against non-Michigan teams. Wild stat, but three straight losses against Michigan. And then on the Michigan side, obviously, 
they're likely back to the college football playoff. They got to be Iowa third consecutive season. They haven't lost a, a regular season or a big 10 game. And they did it without their coach. They looked rough the last two weeks, but in this one, JJ looked healthy. I thought he played really, really well. Um, and I mean, man, Blake Corum's just so good. That touchdown where he threw up the Zach's inter line right after was a really special moment. So, uh, obviously you were not hoping Michigan won this game, but are you surprised they won this game without Jim Harbaugh? I'm not because the, this is an indictment on Ohio state's football program. Uh, Ryan day, he, he, he tucked his Buckeye tail. He like, he let an intern head coach and Sharon Moore be more, aggressive than him in a game that he has to have he did not go out swinging he didn't and you can't have a I I get the stats I get what Ryan Day has done as a coach you cannot have this level of talent of team and in the biggest game of the year lose to that rival three times in a row after you chirped them after you turned them in for sign stealing after you said you're going to hang 100 points on them you did not back up your talk you're all talk you had the talent to do it, and you're just not getting it done. And it's it, like, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I just, I'm like, I'm livid for real. Like, all that means absolutely nothing. It has led to nothing. It has led to three straight years of you being being beat by your rivals. And it's, I, I also just have a hard time grasping the fact that at a school like Ohio State, with the resources and the talent, especially at wide receiver, that you equip that with a quarterback like Kyle McCord, man. Like he's just not that guy. He just isn't. Like it's it's not you can't get mad at him. He's he should not be the quarterback at Ohio State. He's not, he's just not that guy. So I, I'm I'm but it's not even about that. It's it's about Ryan Day. Ryan Day was born on third base. Harbaugh was right. Dude was born on third base. Dude is soft, dude is fragile. Dude, in the biggest moment, pissed down his leg, is what it is. And uh, it would be a lot. It'd be a lot different if Marcus Freeman could have put a couple more guys on the field because we'd be talking about what he did in the game versus Notre Dame. We just had to wait a little bit. So okay, um, I couple things. I think in the history books here, Jim Harbaugh is born on third base. Quote is going to be an all-timer, right? It already is. It, but was, like, it was right. I mean, it was essentially a prophecy, right? Because, like, at the time that that was stated, there wasn't a, much success for Michigan at all when he came out and said that. And, like, it, well, it's kind of... And, and, and that was such a great statement about birth, and then he followed up another thing. And then once he got to talking about other birthing rights and stuff like that, okay, then it got okay, to okay, 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 okay. So, yeah. I, Look, I make no mistake about it. I'm not here to defend the man that is Jim Harbaugh. But what I am here to do is uh, give credit where credit is due. And I think if we're going through like rivalry storybooks in the last 50 years of college football, like Mark D'Antonio's pride comes before the fall was such a key moment and it swung everything and it became this rallying cry. And I think Jim Harbaugh's born on third base did exactly the same thing. And Michigan needed someone to galvanize their football program against the big bad wolf in Ohio State that was clearly the dominant program. And now, yeah, it looks great in hindsight, but it's like he predicted the future, which was crazy. Um, with that said, I don't think Ryan Day lost this game for them. And I, I want you to actually dive into this more with me because it's very easy to just broadly say like, oh, he's born on third base. He stinks. 
he's he can't win the big one. That's a fair criticism. What did he do pointedly in this game that lost Ohio State the football game? Uh, well, I thought they lost the game, honestly, m- mentally, when they did not go for it at midfield. And they punted on fourth and one after picking up on third and 11. They got 10 and a half yards. And you have a chance to send a message on the road. And you got players. You got a, you got a good offensive line. You got Travion Henderson. You got all these weapons. And you're punting it. Yeah, they lost the they lost the game right there. If I'm a Michigan player, I'm like they don't want they. If those players are thinking you're soft, you just gave them a a a a bone that you are soft. Yeah, I guess. Um, and then and then you let the other dude go for it on fourth and and then the other dude goes for it on fourth and one. I guess I don't know. I I feel like the the largest criticism you could make of Ryan Day was the end of the first half settle for the field goal. Which is that the moment you're talking about here with Gopher down fourth? Or are we talking about a different one? No, no, I'm talking about this was early in the game. Talking about the this first was, one. They, yeah. they were at yeah. like midfield. I thought the yeah. game was over yeah. then. Yes. Okay. That's a little earlier than I would have said. I thought, uh, I mean, look, he's playing for a field goal to cut it to one right before half. It was fourth and two, I believe, fourth and one or fourth and two. And I, I think like deciding to want to take the points instead of go for it was not a decision I hated. But I still probably would have tried to get an easier field goal, even if we're like, even if you're playing conservative, not throwing for the end zone there. I would have liked, like, let's try and get a 20 yard field goal instead of a 40. But I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm from the, I'm from the camp and the court of if you think you can win this football, like, you, if you really think you can win this football game and you think you're those guys and you believe in your guys, you can get a yard. You can get a yard. Yeah. Okay. So in your mind, there's a very clear thing here under a Ryan Day program where everyone involved deep down knows in the pit of their stomach that they're not those guys in big. Yeah. Like it's just like I'm trying to think like what even like the NBA equivalent or something like it would be. It'd be like, I don't know, it'd be like uh, like the Clippers kind of. Like they're they're talented, but like you're not scared of those guys because like they you can take you can take those guys, you can take their soul. You can beat yeah. those guys. And you got to, like, it, I feel like in those type of games with those emotions going around, you got to, like, realize, too, what you're doing with your team. Like, by doing that, by punting that, everyone on Michigan's sideline is telling themselves, oh, they, those guys don't want it. Yep, we got them. Right. There's, they, they, they don't, they're not even tough enough to go for this yard. They're soft. They're doing this. And it honestly probably went through some of the Ohio State guys' minds. Like, damn, we're not going for this? Like our, our coach don't think we can get a yard? Like, come on. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's fair. With all that said, they had the ball with a minute left down six with a chance to go in the game. Thanks, thanks to Michigan, honestly. Right. But that's that's kind of where like we can say all we want about oh, day cost them this, day cost them that. Like, and day, the players had a chance to go win the game. Ball was in their hands. It was legacy potential moment for Kyle McCord for Marvin Harrison Jr. And McCord legacied his way out. <laughs> it's what happened in this one. And Michigan, I thought, forced it. Like, it wasn't like he just sailed a throw. Michigan got pressure to him in the biggest moment. He had a couple nice throws to get the drive going, honestly. Like, I mean, watching that from my television, rooting for Michigan, which I know I'm a Michigan State football fan. I know I'm supposed to be. But I'm, I want to see my dad happy if they're playing Ohio State for a chance at the college football playoff. Even though I'm not a Michigan football fan, I don't like Jim Harbaugh at all. I want to see my dad happy. So that's where I'm at. Like I, 
I had a weird feeling Ohio State was going to come win the game when Kyle McCord completed his first two passes on that drive. And in the end, it was a great defensive play. But um, so you're Roman Wilson's comments. You're kind of right in line with him. I mean, he came out and sat there at the podium and said, well, he was asked, were they more physical this year? And he laughed and said, no, you're kind of you're buying into that, it sounds like. But I feel like you hated the Roman Wilson quote because I, I feel like he specifically with what his comments said, he was calling out Marvin Harrison Jr. And then that's just like, all right, you're also, you're Roman Wilson. And that's Marvin Harrison Jr. That's not how you call, that's not how you call out in that situation. There's not a thing that Roman Wilson has ever done or will ever do better than Marvin Harrison Jr. Except play for Michigan. Except win. Except win. I mean, but. Winning um, does matter. It It does, but. He made it that that guy who wears the Louis V and wears the thousand dollar cleats and does all this isn't isn't tough. Oh uh, he uh, he is. He's also better than you. Okay. Yeah, swinging up a little bit, but yeah, I like guess. I, I, if if he would have took a swipe at Ryan Day, I would have been like, oh yeah, I'm in. Okay. Yeah, as far as rivalry chirps go, wasn't my favorite ever from Roman, but also wasn't like drastically bad. Like I don't know. I, I didn't mind it. He was kind of I, – I didn't realize it was so pointed at Marvin. I thought it was more at everybody. But Oh, no, it was – I mean, it, the the initial comments were all all at Marvin. Okay. Yeah, I like that a lot less than if it's uh, entirely pointed yeah. at Also, did you see, like, the Samaj Morgan stuff too? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, man. Like, Okay. All right. I mean <laughs> – Also, good luck to Samaj Morgan for the next three years because every single game that he plays against them, he might actually do good against Ohio State, but they're going to take his head off. Do you love these exact quotes? If these quotes word for word are said by Michigan State players after a win against Michigan, don't you love them? Probably not. Not if not. Really? Okay, I would not like if Trey Mosley came out and was like, oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. wants to do all this and do all that. Yeah, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay. I mean, they, he didn't say Marvin Harrison Jr. wants to do all that. Uh, even, even softer, he didn't say Marvin Harrison Jr. He might okay. as well have said him. All right. Okay. Uh, guys who did not do any of that in the post game. two of them, J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum. You are a Michigan State football fan. You've now watched Blake Corum for three years. You've watched J.J. McCarthy for two and a half years be key integral pieces of this team. There still is some big game J.J. stuff, which I don't think is super fair, but – until he does it in the college football playoff, there's going to be like, this guy can lose you a big game moments. He had the fumble against Michigan State in his half starter year with Cade McNamara. He had a horrible game against TCU in the playoff, as everybody knows. He's 3-0 against Ohio State, 2-0 as a starter. To me, that's legacy stuff. I thought he was one of the hugest differences in this game. Obviously, Michigan was good in a lot of ways, but I think the the gap between Kyle McCord and J.J. McCarthy was a rather large part of why Michigan won this game. JJ made some freelancing plays that could have gone wrong. They didn't because he put the ball just out of reach of the Ohio State defender, and his guy made a good catch multiple times. Uh, I th- also thought he used his legs pretty effectively in this game in ways that we didn't see the last couple of weeks when there were injury concerns. So uh, my question to you is this. How will you, uh, how will you remember JJ McCarthy and Blake Corum? At this point, do they still have to prove it to you or or what's your stance on these two guys? I mean, I I, I don't think you can argue that Blake Corum is one of the better like college running backs 
I think that have like kind of played. I mean, last year was he not in the Heisman talks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like you can't you can't discount that. Um, I'm not sure like where I would like what box I would put it in, like best Michigan running back of all time or something like that. I don't know what like box to put it in, but like he is a great college football. He's a great running back. Great running back. JJ to me is a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback who wins a lot. He's a good quarterback who wins a lot and has choked in big moments. I don't think Quorum's choked. Okay. Yes. He's also been great in big moments. I think that's fair to say at this point, right? Like it's not, I don't think it's fair to frame it as he's choked in big moments, unless you also now add the caveat of he's been great against Ohio state two straight years running to win those games. He was he had a he had a good game this year against Ohio State. She was so not just, great. You just won't use the great word. You, you you thought this was really a great performance. I thought he I thought that he had some he had some plays that directly like he had some really good play, like you said, with his legs, throwing the ball, doing all that. He had a great game. I thought great. he was the difference. I thought he was the difference, oh, truly. Oh uh, no. No, because no, Ohio Ohio State did a pretty good job against Michigan's run game for the majority of the game. Like if you look at two of their biggest drives of the game when it was a tie game and Michigan kept going down to take the lead and responding to Ohio State's response. Like it was it was JJ's plays that kept those drives alive. It wasn't Blake Corum up the gut. It wasn't Donovan Edwards because he ran into a wall every single time. He got so much worse. Like I feel like with JJ, everybody wants him to have these prolific Bo Nix numbers to take him seriously as a quarterback. It's never going to happen. Not, it ain't going to happen. It ain't got to be Bo Nix numbers, but like, are we really like calling greatness? Like, he threw for one TD and threw for 148, 16 for 20. And that TD was a dime. Like, so, so that's, so that's, so, so to you, that's great. I, to me, you're not watching the game if you came away with anything other than that was a great quarterback performance. I, and I know you watched the game. So I don't want to sit here and be like, yeah. you didn't watch the game. But I, I think it's hate in your heart that's speaking into not being able to say the word great when describing J.J. McCarthy and using numbers to back it up. I think you just love J.J. I do love J.J. Yeah, so I think that's where it, I think that's where it comes from. That's not like, come on, man. Like, I hate to, I hate to do the box score thing, but I also watched the game. Yes, he had that one throw, and then the rest of his – I mean, he had that one throw. He had that he had one, one touchdown. Throw. Throw. He had one saying, throw. No, no, I'm saying the touchdown. He had the one touchdown throw. Okay, He had, he had, the, he had the across-the-body throw. And then he had the dart to Cornelius Johnson where he pushed off. And that was like, those were the three that I remember distinctly. Did he, was there anything else? I'm like, yes, he had like 10 good throws, but it's like, we can't come on here and just praise it. Like it's a great performance. He threw for 148 yards and 16 completions. He did what they needed to do to win. He's a good quarterback who does what, does what he has to do for Michigan. He can throw for, I guess he can throw for 248 if you need him to. He did it last year against Ohio state, right? Correct. That's the like. Yeah. So like last year, he had a great game against Ohio State. This year, he had a good game. And if you're if you're just defining it by passing yard numbers, then just disagree on quarterback evaluation with it. It's fine. Like I'm not not out here advocating. I like with numbers like this. I'm not advocating that he should be at the Heisman ceremony. Like no, no way. Like you Mm -hmm. you need to have gaudy numbers in order to be taken seriously. It's like oh that guy should be taken first overall, or oh that guy's an All American. I'm not advocating for any of that. I am advocating that, like, this dude was the difference in the game. 
Like those, those freelance plays that Kyle McCord couldn't make and made mistakes on and JJ making those dart throws on third downs that would have been punts to an Ohio state team in a tie game that just ran eight consecutive run plays into the end zone. Like Michigan needed those drives. They needed JJ to be the difference because they were defending the run pretty well. JJ was the difference. Kyle McCord was not the difference. That's what I saw in this game. And yeah, do I like it was good. JJ was good. Kyle McCord was at best. Okay. Maybe bad. So you're, I let's, let's call it definitively what it is. What does JJ need to do for you to call him a great college quarterback? Because I feel Maybe. like he could he could come out here. They could beat Georgia, which I'm not predicting, but they they could go beat Georgia in the national title game. He throws for 170 yards, and you'll say it was a mad performance. Yeah, I'll say it's a good performance. So you won't call him a great quarterback unless he starts throwing for 300 yards. And he ain't got to throw for 300 yards, but I'm not going to come on here and be like 160, 148 yards is a great performance. Okay, then yeah, just agree to disagree on. Yeah. Michigan's offensive system. So they can't have a great quarterback. We could put Caleb Williams at quarterback in this system and he wouldn't be great. No, he would be. He'd throw for 300 yards in Michigan's system, throwing 20 times a game max. He'd throw for more than JJ. Yes, he would. He's better than JJ. He is better than JJ. But like, <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying. Gotta like, play JJ, the role I'm, that's I'm asked. Saying JJ is good. Why is, why is the good the great thing? So. So important. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm trying to define where we're at because you're okay. coming back and saying it's just love for Jay. Can I? Can I, can I, I get, think the truth I, is it's more rated rooted in hate from you than it is. Can love. I get? Can I get great college quarterbacks this season? This season? Me? Yeah. Well, it depends. Like, like Drake May is a great quarterback. I think Drake May has been worse for his team this season than JJ's been for Michigan. Drake Drake May is a great quarterback playing college football. I think in high stakes moments, he has led to North Carolina losses this year. You don't think that has anything to do with the team? Like, you don't think Michigan would trade Drake May for JJ McCarthy? I'm not saying that. Um, I just, I think like when you, I think you're attributing what JJ can or cannot do to what this team wants to do, whoever their quarterback is. But they do that for, they do that for a reason because they know JJ is good. No, disagree. I'd like it, whoever the quarterback was, whether it's Drake May or Caleb Williams or any stud, they would be throwing him the amount they're throwing JJ and running Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards into walls. Got it. So, J- so, it so JJ, if JJ ends his, let's say JJ, uh, let's say for hypothetical situations, they lose the first college football playoff game. JJ is. Great quarterback. Like, does that change anything? Or he's just great quarterback, just couldn't get it done in the big game? I think he's a great quarterback no matter what. Um, great quarterback. Okay. It would change his legacy for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if he, say, in this hypothetical, he gets Michael Penix or Bo Nix. It's, it's the Pac-12 champ versus Michigan in the 2-3 game. And that Pac-12 champ throws for 450 yards and runs it up on Michigan. And J.J. throws two picks again then yeah, no shit. His legacy is no longer a great college quarterback at that point. Okay. But I I believe in my heart and soul he's a great quarterback ability-wise. So he needs to play well and back it up to earn the legacy points. But I, that's my point is I think he's doing that in these Ohio State games and you're not giving him the credit for that. 
I said he played good. I, I said he was, you, I said again, he was great in last year. That's why we're I, still discussing it. All right. Last, last, last year's Ohio State game, I said he was great. Okay. All right. So it's just numbers then. That's all it's got to be. He needs 200. What was, what was it? 240? You, you know better than I, I guess. What did he throw for last year that made it great and not good? I think he had 248 and two two touchdowns maybe. Okay, so there's a there's a certain bar somewhere in Carter Elliott's brain that qualifies as great, and it's just a number of passing yards. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I just I, I just have a hard time calling sixteen for twenty. Call me box score or whatever you want to do it. Call it hate, whatever you want to call it. I have a hard time saying sixteen for twenty for one forty eight and a touchdown is a great performance. I'm just not going there. Okay, noted. All right, we'll have to see. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything more fun to wrap on than you and I debating for JJ McCarthy for 20 minutes. I'm sure people loved listening to that. Uh, <laughs> is Ryan Day the coach next year? Of Ohio State? Yeah. Yeah, I think he is. Can I go uh, wild hypothetical? Please. Ryan Day's fired at Ohio State. They hire Urban, whatever. I still feel like that might happen. If Urban really? was ever, if Urban was ever actually like listening to the Michigan State job, why would he not immediately go take the Ohio State job if offered? I really don't think he wants to coach. To be honest, I think Urban's just kind of like a, like he likes just being wanted kind of. I think he's had enough sitting next to Charles Woodson at the desk watching these games unfold. I think uh, that might be enough to drive a man back into coaching. Urban Meyer wouldn't have Kyle McCord out there. I'll tell you that shit. I didn't think McCord was that bad in this game either. The pick six was bad, or the 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 pick that led to the touchdown early was bad. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough when your his mistakes directly led to, you know, led to points and things like and like in big moments and things yeah. like that. But it all comes back to Ryan Day for me, like I said. So that's the one hypothetical I had. If they fired Ryan Day, if you had the choice between Ryan Day and Jonathan Smith, who would you prefer to be Michigan State's head football coach? All that comes with it is Ryan Day. Like, do I get Heartline? Do I get any of the other guys? Yeah, yeah. You get back? Ryan Day gets to hire whatever staff he wants, just like Jonathan Smith did. Oh, see, that's the interesting thing. So he can like bring his players with him. Right. This is a man. Let me be extremely clear about this. This is a man that is forty and zero in Big Ten games that aren't against Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I, I hate doing this, but I literally think anyone could. I think any competent coach could could do that with that team and that Except staff. Except there's been coaches that come through and haven't done it. <laughs> like, Urban didn't even do that. Urban won him a national championship. Correct. But, Ur- like, as far as Big Ten dominance goes, and I get we can't call it dominance because he keeps losing to the same team. But, like, Ryan Day's record in the Big Ten is better than Urban Meyer's. <laughs> In the same tenure, Urban just won the big games. Like, but that's we can't just it's it's doing what we do with Purdue basketball. It's just throwing it out the window because they lose one game when it matters. Uh, well, that's not well. I think Matt Painter is one of the best coaches in college basketball. I think Ryan Day is one of the best coaches in college football. That's what I'm trying to say. I just I I disagree. Okay, all right. God, I mean, God forbid Ryan Day couldn't go to the Pac-12 and win eight games. I mean, if he got fired and go somewhere else, we we might we might see it firsthand. Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> I, I I'm starting to think football as a whole is just it's cooked. That's what I think it is. 
So you'd want so 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 I'm guessing you'd want Ryan Day at Michigan State, yeah. I think he's a much better football coach than Jonathan Smith, yes. Okay. I think Ryan Day is a top seven coach in college football right now. And you're also like whoever gets him, if he leaves Ohio State or not. If I'm Ohio State, I hold on to him for sure. Because a huge part of this conversation is the fact Harbaugh's probably not at Michigan next year. So it, what does Ryan Day look like in a Big Ten that doesn't include Jim Harbaugh? He probably never loses. <laughs> he like if the big bad wolf is gone, why would you not want the guy that beats everybody except the big bad wolf? And at a time where his program might suddenly not want him, like it's literally sitting on a silver platter for someone to scoop up and take this dominant guy. And I can't believe, like, I, it seems like everyone's just going to let that pass up. And maybe Ohio State will be lucky and hold on to him. I don't know. I still feel like they might turn on him. But it's crazy to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not the biggest Ryan Day guy. I don't think I am either, but he's 40 and three. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing? Yeah, he is. Okay. We'll agree, we'll agree to disagree. That's all it is. Different different opinions. Uh can I can I stake a claim though that if he does go somewhere else and stinks, we have a combo. If he goes somewhere else and is good, we will also have a combo. Yeah, I don't like talking Ryan Day this much, but sure. Okay. <laughs> we can do Throw that. It out there. We can do that. All right. Uh congrats to Michigan, right? Do you want to say a congrats to Michigan? Wish them well on their way to the Big Ten championship. Congrats. Do the damn thing. Please beat. Iowa, because I feel like if if they they do they have to win to get in, they can lose to Iowa and still get in, right? No, they got to beat Iowa. For real, there's no chance they lose to Iowa though, right? Never say never. I I will say this: I really wish Cade McNamara was healthy for this game. Me too. That sucks. That would have been scenes. Like it just yeah, no matter what happened, that would have been an electric watch. And now yeah. we can watch Deacon Hill. Yeah. Also, Deacon Hill is two six two and weighs the same as me, which is insane. Kirk Ferentz legacy game, maybe one last one out of there, maybe. Mm-hmm. Good luck. All right, let's wrap the show with one big thing. What's your one big thing presented by Big B? Uh, my one big thing is don't let anyone put a time limit on how long you eat your Thanksgiving leftovers. You want to elaborate on that or no? I just feel like people are always like, oh, like once it gets past like Monday, you shouldn't be eating Thanksgiving leftovers anymore. Mm. You can eat them throughout the week if you want to. I probably will. Mm. So I'm just throwing that out there. Don't be that person that's like, you're still eating Thanksgiving leftovers. Yeah, I am. As a matter of fact, shut the hell up. Get out my pantry. Get out my fridge. Okay. I like that energy from you. Uh, My one big thing is I think the Thanksgiving meal should be served much more frequently than once a year. It should be it should be once a week or like semi monthly if uh, that if that's like a twice a month thing. I mean, I I guess this is just finger pointing at families, but like there's really no good reason any given family couldn't do this once every three weeks and work it into their rotation, right? Like, I guess preparations a lot, but like it, stuffing is not hard to prepare. <laughs> or okay, here's a here's a middle ground for it. Just every major holiday is Thanksgiving food. Ooh, like on four on Fourth of July, we have Thanksgiving food. On Martin Luther King Day, we have Thanksgiving food. New Year's Eve, Thanksgiving food. Christmas, Thanksgiving food. Just take all the holidays and make them Thanksgiving food. 
I'm super in on that. Who needs ham on Easter? Who needs deviled eggs? Like, pass me the mashed potatoes. That's lovely. I might make that a thing. Maybe I'll, like, start that as a tradition for, like, my household. I like that. I was going to say you and I could start a family together and make that our tradition. but That's insane. But, I mean, we could. It's possible. You have a family. Yeah. All right, that's the show. We'll be back <laughs> on uh we'll be back Tuesday and the rest of the week. Five days of episodes, game recaps and previews all week long. We're collaborating with the boys from Heat Check CBB over there. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh thanks for watching. Have a great day, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.